Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever had people over to your house and you didn't have time to fully clean it properly uh, before they came over? And so while they're on your, their way, you're panic cleaning and you're like hiding stuff and you're doing the spot mop and, and you're just getting everything thrown into the closets. And it's crazy how often we hide things in our lives. We hide pain. We hide our imperfections. Often we just hide the reality of what's actually going on in our lives. We use different ways of hiding things. One of the ways we use is social media. We have this sort of highlight reel to kind of show like, this is, this is the good. I don't think we even intentionally do it, but we always want to put up a front on social media that everything is just so good. Um, but the reality of behind our social media is a lot different than what we would see on the screen. We hide our mistakes. Um, Anybody ever done some DIY projects around the house and you have some massive mistakes that you have to hide? I, anytime I do work on our house, all I see are the mistakes. And uh, white paint can only cover so much of the multitude of sins that I commit when I work on our home. Um, but we're, we're hiding things. I mean, women literally have something called concealer to hide things that they don't like about themselves. Um, we hide stuff, right? When I was, uh, when I was a kid, I used to hide my report card. Um, we used to just, I don't know, maybe they put it online now, unfortunately, but they, it was just paper ones for me. And so I, my brothers, they would come home and the report cards would go in the fridge. Mom and dad would be so proud. And they'd be like, where's Jules? And mine would be stuffed to the bottom of my backpack as low as I possibly could hide it going, dear Lord, I hope they don't find this thing. And we, we hide things. Um, we hide things we don't want people to see because we don't want them to see what's really going on in our lives. This is not a new concept. Gen uh, Genesis 3.8 says this, uh, uh, you know, Adam and Eve were there and they, they uh, broke God's boundaries. They, they crossed the line with the boundary God gave them. They ate the fruit uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and God told them not to. And, and so God's looking for them. And, and then the man and his wife in Genesis 3.8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden uh, at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. When we are ashamed of something, we hide it. We hide it and we hope that it goes away. But often it just makes more of a mess, doesn't it? You know, oftentimes in conflict, we just kind of go, I'm not going to deal with that situation, that relationship. I'm just gonna leave it and I hope it goes away. Hopefully it gets better. But often... Like the, the clean, the fake clean house, the mess gets worse as we continue to hide things. And, uh, you know, you kind of end up in your life having these sort of guest room or, you know, basement closet areas that you're like, don't go into there. It is a mess. I've been hiding it. And we can easily cross a bridge when we start to sort of pile up these issues and hide these things. We can easily cross a bridge from I'm not happy about what I've done to I'm not happy about who I am. As we hide and, and bury and cover up stuff, we move from I'm not happy about what I've done 
to I'm not happy about who I am. You may have heard it before that guilt is about what you've done, but shame is about who we are. And we don't just feel shame because we're like, oh, I did something bad, therefore I suck. It's as we cross into this bridge about having shame about who we are, it's often that other people make us feel shame. Now they can make us feel shame by uh, just saying like stuff about us. Like, I don't, I don't like how you do this or I wish you would be more like that. And, and so that makes us feel shame sometimes, but it's often not the other person's fault at all. It's often just that they are a certain way and I compare myself to them and it makes me feel ashamed that I am not like them. And so we look at the qualities, the wonderful things God has given that person, and we don't focus on what God has called us to be and who God has created us to be. We look at other people's lives and comparison comes in, and all of a sudden, we start to develop shame in our lives. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I'll give you an example. My little brother Isaac is really good at working on his house. Okay, he's really good at fixing stuff. He'll just like rip out windows, replace windows, redo all this stuff, redo his kitchen. And I'm like, how? When, when I rip out stuff and redo stuff, it still looks ripped apart when I'm done with it. Like, how are you so good at this? Now, this is a, a good quality about him. And I could easily turn his victory into my defeat. If all I do is focus on, wow, he's so good at that and I am not, I can start to develop a shame about myself and how I operate and how I am as a husband and a father because I just don't have his skill. And when you look at the exterior of someone's life, you start to feel ashamed because they are who you are not. So it doesn't just come from comparison. Shame doesn't just come from comparison. It also comes from, I find, social rejection. That we live, we're such a social people and we're designed to be social. I mean, even God, uh, he was, he designed in community. Like God has, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has his own community. He has his own, you know, little social connection. We're designed in the image of God. We're designed for social connection. We're not designed to do this life on our own. We're designed for connection. And for all sorts of reasons, people experience social rejection and it's painful. It sucks when you see a gathering of people that you, all, you know and love and you're in that friend group, but for whatever reason, they didn't invite you to that get together. When you maybe don't understand a friend group's inside jokes, you're like, I love inside jokes. I, I wish I could have my own one day. That's a Michael Scott line. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about you, but I hate inside jokes. I'm sick of them. I don't like them. Um, but that's another way that we start to feel social rejection. It's painful and it can make you feel shame. And we start to think, I'm unworthy. Maybe it's because I don't have enough money. Maybe it's that I'm too much. Maybe my personality is too much. Maybe it's that I'm too little. I'm just not enough. Maybe whatever it is, we start to feel like I am not enough. And social rejection often hurts the same as physical pain. And it's something that, you know, physical pain is like it hurts and we can heal from it and move on, uh, hopefully. But then uh, social rejection is one of those things that kind of just starts swirling around in my, our minds. And what can happen is we can start to feel like that person makes me feel a certain way, so I'm going to remove them from my life. They're toxic. <laughs> That's a, people love that word, toxic. 
They make you feel like you're not pretty enough, so I'm gonna remove them from my life. They make you feel like you're not smart enough, so I'm gonna remove them from my life. It's often not something they're saying. It's just that they have something that you wish that you possessed, that you don't see in yourself. And you, you know, people are just remotely more successful than us, and we're just like, they're toxic. I'm removing them from my life. <laughs> um, but it's often not the people who are toxic, but the feelings that we have that are toxic. And it's our own shame, and we start villainizing other people's success. Now, there can be toxic people in our lives, and in some cases, yes, we need to end up removing them. But that still won't make your life what you want it to be. That still won't be the the reason that you receive God's promises is you just remove the right people from your life. God has greater promises for us than this life that I'm describing. And receiving his promises means living in freedom from shame. I'm gonna read from 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. It's just a quick one uh, this morning. You can look it up quick if you want. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Uh, It says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm gonna stop there. So important to make sure that the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives so that we have freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. I'm gonna stop again. Notice that Paul's saying, you are being transformed, not you're transforming yourself into the image of God. He's saying you're being transformed uh, from uh, into the image, from glory to glory, from God's glory to his glory, This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not from you. It's from the Lord that you're being transformed. Um, And so shame is this fear of disconnection. Shame's the the fear that, oh, they're gonna cut me off. I'm gonna get disconnected. I'm not gonna belong with these people. And the, the lie that we tell ourselves is no one would love me if they knew blank. No one would love me if they knew this is happening. No one would love me if they knew I was thinking this way. They would, just, they would just disconnect me. People would not accept me if they found out about this or that. And shame gets in the way of God's promises for our life because you'll go to pray for a need in your life. You'll go in and, and get to a point where, okay, God's promised X, Y, Z in my life and I'm gonna go and pray God's promises. And what shame does is shame gets in your head and says, who do you think you are? Asking God to pray for that? Come on. You don't have enough faith. Remember last time when you prayed that prayer? You don't have enough faith for this. You know, maybe you're stepping out to lead a business. Maybe you're stepping out to lead a connect group, lead something in the church. And and shame will tell you, why do you think people would follow you? Why do you think people are interested in, in what you have to offer? Maybe you're asking for prayer for someone in the hospital. And what happens is our shame tells us, you need somebody else to pray that prayer. You can't handle it on your own. Their life is too big for you to be able to, who, who are you to be able to believe for a miracle? Shame will resist the purposes of God because it won't let you trust God like you should. I want to tell you that God's deepest desire is to be near us simply because he loves us. Why do you think God created you? Like, it's funny how we'll get this thinking into our lives where we, we honestly like feel like God's like a bad guy sometimes or that he doesn't want good stuff for our lives. 
And, and so you just have to stop and think, why do you think God created you? You think he created you so, oh yeah, so you could just suffer for like 90, 95 years if you're lucky and then you'll die and go to heaven and you'll realize how good heaven is. That's why I created you, for life to suck. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, God wants good things for your life. You matter to God. And we're always trying to remove this veil ourselves. We're always trying to get close to God by doing a certain thing or, or, or having a certain action in our lives. And that's how we're going to get close. That's, what, gonna how we're get, that's how we're going to get the things that we desire. People think this way. You might think, oh, I, I don't actually think that way. But it creeps itself in. Kind of the more extreme example of it is you'll invite someone to come to church who doesn't often go to church. And what they'll say is, ah, I can't go to church. I don't have enough nice clothing, right? They'll think, oh, I don't have enough, a proper enough outfit. Or they'll say, I don't know if I could join you in church. What if I swore in church? What if I said a curse word? I, I cannot join you in that church. I am not holy enough. But that's the reality is people think that they have to act, dress, look, and, and, and think a certain way in order for themselves to be in the presence of God. Yet throughout the Bible, you see God making it possible for his children to connect with him. It, and, and in this scripture, Paul's telling the Corinthians, the veil's removed by God when you turn to God. The veil's not removed by you. There's not, it's not about how you can dress a certain way, act a certain way, and eventually you'll just be clean enough and you won't have any shame anymore. No, this is all about what God does. And God throughout the Bible makes it always possible for his children to connect with us because he loves us and he wants to be near us. He does everything he can possible because he loves us. And what shame tells you is you're unlovable. And the, the lie that shame will have you believe is because of how you are, God just can't use you. So just come to church, put your hands up, make yourself feel good, and, and everything will be fine. You'll die one, one day and you'll be with God in heaven. But God is lovable. God, sorry, you are lovable as you are, and God wants to be near you. I want to show you this in Jeremiah 32. 38 to 40, he says, they will, they will be my people and I will be their God. Notice the promise here. The prom, we're receiving the promises of God. I will give them integrity of the heart and action so they will fear me always for their good and for the good of the descendants after them. I will make a permanent covenant with them. And I want you to really pay attention to this line. I will never turn away from doing good to them. That's the promise of God for your life. I will never turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts so they will never again turn away from me. I want us to get this this morning that we will receive the promises of God. So repeat after me. God, God will, will never, never turn, turn away, away from, from doing good to me. That's so good, isn't that? Okay, let's do it one more time with all the energy you can muster and all the conviction you can muster. And at the end, instead of saying me, I want you to shout your name, okay? All right, here we go. God, God will, will never, never turn, turn away, away from, from doing, doing good. Stop doing good to you. He'll never stop being good to you. 
and he desires time and intimacy with you, but he will discipline you. And this is a characteristic of God that people sort of get messed up. Again, the same person who will say, oh, I don't have the right clothing. I don't want to curse in your church. I just don't want to come. You know, whatever, I'll be hungover. I just can't come to church with you. That same person will also say, well, if I show up at your church, lightning bolts will strike me. <laughs> you ever invite someone to church and they said that? If you haven't, you need to invite more people to church. See what happens this week. But people think, they have this idea about God that he's this, he's this, ooh, they get messed up about the, the wrath of God. They just think he's just so angry. He just, he wants you to act a certain way. And I can't get involved with a God like that. I can't get involved with, with, you know, with a God who acts that way. But the purpose, the purpose for God's discipline is for restoration, not condemnation. So when you're feeling shame, about you feel like maybe God's correcting you in a season, know that it's not about, you know, just giving you a little spanking and making you feel bad, okay? Can't believe I said spanking this morning, but it, 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 whatever. It's, it's that he's not trying to just, ah, you know, you're a terrible person. Go sit in your room, you horrible person. No, God is trying to bring restoration, not condemn, condemnation. He's trying to restore us back to him because he knows he has the right plan for our life. He knows he's got a direction for us. He knows how he designed us and he's trying to get us on that path because he knows how much life will be so much better here on earth when we follow God's plan and purpose for our lives. I want to show you this in Proverbs chapter three. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. He disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. And so shame says, I'm punished for who I am. I'm just a terrible person. I'm being punished for it. But God says, you are punished so that you turn back to me. You're punished so that oh, you're, you're going to go through some correction. You're going to go through a correctional season so that you get yourself on the right path for God. And the definition of shame is that it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And so part of shame is that we just end up believing we're flawed and unworthy of love, belonging, or connection. But that's not the message of the Bible. That's not what God's trying to tell us in his word, that, he, we, that church is a place to belong and that you, are, you belong to Christ. So you belong to a body of believers and that you, you, do, you can find belonging, not just in Christ, but in people as well. And that you are worthy of love. God's promise is that he's loved you and he's so intent on connection with you. He wants good things for your life and he has blessings to pour out on you. He wants to open the door for a life of happiness and blessings, not just for you, but for generations after you. So what do we do about this nasty thing called shame that somehow creeps its way into our lives? Even though we know how good God is, somehow shame gets in there. Well, vulnerability removes the power of shame in your life. I'm gonna show you this. This, this is a long point, just so you know. I'm gonna go as fast as I can, but this is my longest point. Um, we need to get vulnerable with the right people and with God. Vulnerability removes the power of shame. It lets you, people into the messy rooms in your life and the spirit of God in them will help you get this thing clean. You ever watch that show Hoarders? Remember that show? 
oh, that show would make my tummy upset. It was so gross, some of the stuff that would take place on it. But what would, what would happen in that show is that they would bring people in who were experts in this stuff and that those people's behaviors wouldn't change until they were humiliated, right? And they brought somebody in to partner with them. So they were vulnerable and allowed someone in to partner with them and help them get things right. It can be humiliating to allow someone in and get vulnerable, but shame already makes you feel humiliated. So this is kind of the final humiliation to just let somebody in and you're feeling so ashamed. And often when you let that person in, they'll be like, oh, it's all good. When you let the right person in, this is how you know you, you let the wrong person in. They'll, they'll make the shame even worse. They'll be like, oh my gosh, you did this? And that's, that's always the fear. But that's why you got to get good godly people in your life that you allow in. And often it's so much easier for somebody else to see the good in us than it is for us to see the good in ourselves. Just like a lot of people in your life, you see the good in them and you hear them talk about themselves and you're like, what are you talking about? That is not what I see in you at all. And so not only do we need people in our lives like this, but as followers of Jesus, we need to be those people for other people. That when someone comes to us with something, with an issue, that we be the person that sees what God sees in them and see the good in them and, and encourage them and build them up. I'll tell you, even if they don't believe in God, you just change your language a little bit and you can encourage them. You can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to me in a way that they won't know that I'm actually preaching to them and showing them the love of God. And it works, man. It works. You know, when I had a friend open up to me about all he was going through, the last thing on my mind was to judge this person. The first thing on my mind was all the good that I see in him. It's a lot easier for us to see the good in other people than it is for us to see the good in ourselves. And vulnerability uncovers the nasty thing that's been growing inside of us. The right people remind you who God is and who he made you to be. And God empowers us through vulnerability with people and with him. I wanna show you this in James chapter five. James chapter 5, 16. Oh, 15 and 16. I didn't tell you guys I added another verse. My bad. Okay, uh, I didn't notice that in first. Sneaky, Joel. Dang it. Get your life together. Okay, here we go. Uh, James chapter five, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. Okay, pause for a sec, sick person. So we often hear people bring this verse when they're praying for somebody in the hospital and, and you know, or, or believing for some kind of ailment, whatever, that is correct, that's good. But I, I wanna show you something else. Oh boy, I'm getting so excited. The Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Hey, notice there's no other attachment to that. Just you'll, you'll be forgiven. Uh, therefore, confess your sins to one another, okay? Get vulnerable. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Now, they're talking about physical healing here. Yes, they are. But James is not just talking about physical healing here because the Greek word for sick that they used here is kamnoda. Kamnoda, and that word means to be weak or to be weary. And how many people know when you're going through shame, when you're feeling shame operating in your life, you feel weak, you feel weary, you feel bad about yourself. This is why vulnerability is so important because in Galatians 6.2, it says, bear one another's burdens. Allow somebody else in. Vulnerability is not weakness, men. We, we feel like it is, but it is not. It's God's design. It's how we reveal that shame might be operating in our lives. We need to get that out because that's not the promise of God. And it just reveals the shame that's happening and lets the promises of God come in. 
Whatever it is, an action or a feeling or a regret or whatever, that it, 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 when it's in the dark, it has power, power over us, but bringing it into the light removes that power. Darkness gives power to things that should have no power whatsoever. Remember in grade school, when you tell someone about a, a, your crush? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Come on, youth. You guys do this. You might do it over TikTok. I don't know how you guys work these days, but somehow, somehow uh, you're telling each other about your crush. And what, is, what does the bad friend do? The bad friend uses it to control you. They say, I'll tell them unless you do blank. I'll tell them unless you, you know, whatever. If you don't do blank, I'll tell them that you like Jeffrey or Colby or one of the beautiful looking young man over here. They'll just, you know, they'll just, right? They'll use it to control you. I'll tell you. And how do you remove that power that they have over you? You just gotta come out, get vulnerable about it, right? You gotta stand up in the lunchroom and you'd be like, I like, you know, Chelsea, Colby's girlfriend, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> he, you gotta stand up in that lunchroom and remove the power that that shame has over you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is this getting real this morning? I hope it is. They get, get vulnerable about what's going on and vulnerability requires humility. It's when we are humble that we're most like Jesus. And it helps us live in all that God's promised for us. And to receive God's promises, we're talking about receiving the promises of God. To receive God's promises, you gotta know God's promises. You gotta know what you're receiving, okay? And it's simple. You can literally just give yourself a memory verse per week about whatever you're struggling with, find where the promise of God covers that struggle and speak that over your life day after day, okay? You don't have to be a theologian about every single thing. You don't have to know the Greek and how it, it all works. I don't even know that stuff, okay? Uh, but start to look at a memory verse. Just start to get the word of God in your heart. Memorize it so that you don't have to go to the Bible because you have your heart, okay? Obviously, we want to go to the Bible a lot, but we don't always have the Bible when we're feeling these feelings, right? And, and that's where we get it in our hearts. They can't take this away from you if it's in your heart. And shame is so often about how we talk about ourselves we got to start talking about ourselves the way Jesus talks about us. Get the promises of your heart every day because shame's going to tell you you're unlovable, but God says he loves you as you are. Filter your thoughts in your life through his promises. I'm going to skip these two verses, guys, because time is of the essence. Um, but they were just some promises of God. But you go find your own promises. I'm not doing the homework for you. <laughs> you are lovable as you are. And you know what? I don't know if this has ever worked for you. I doubt it has. You cannot shame yourself into doing something. So, you know, you're trying to eat healthy. Shaming yourself about what you ate yesterday is not going to make you eat healthy today. It's all about what, the, the, it's, it's about what lettuce promises you, the life that lettuce promises you. Not about, oh, I'm so ashamed that I ate that burger that I will turn to the lettuce and bow at its feet. <laughs> You cannot shame yourself into the promises of God. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? You cannot shame yourself into the promises of God. You have to realize who the sun sets free is free indeed. It's all about his promises, knowing them, getting them into your heart. And if you're gonna get free from shame, you gotta remove your, you gotta renew your mind with the promises of God. So get the word of God in your heart, but also pursue Holy Spirit connection, not just behavior correction. Because it's so easy to just think, I gotta just change this behavior in my life and everything's gonna be better. 
No, it's, it's that the Holy Spirit, the connection with the Holy Spirit is the thing that's gonna cover all of these behaviors and it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna help you. And sometimes the behaviors get so extreme that yes, you need to focus on some, but for the most part, it's the Holy Spirit. Actually, for all parts, it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna help you and be with you as you get these things out of your life. See, behavior correction often becomes legalistic, but holy connection is about a relationship. Holy Spirit connection is about relationship. And we're all in the process called sanctification. We're gonna go through that process our whole lives. We're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so as we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ, it's it's not about, okay, I gotta act a certain way. I gotta say these certain certain things. You know, uh, uh, if anybody offers me bread, I'll be like, no, I'll throw you off a cliff. No, it's it's not that. It's it's about having a connection with the Holy Spirit so that you are being spirit-led. Meaning that as you make decisions, you, you make decisions out of a relationship with the Holy Spirit that says, yes, this will work for my life because I know how the Holy Spirit is leading me and guiding me and I trust him and I, I, I'm not gonna make decisions, big important things until I have the peace. Uh, in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. And so what do we do? If, if we want all these things operating in our lives, do we you know, have to show up to Christmas dinner? Like, okay, tonight, God, love, joy, peace, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Okay, I just got to focus on all these things and everything will be fine, you know? Or, or do, we, do we show up to, to work, you know, with a person that we have to sit beside and can't stand? Okay, God, love, joy, peace, patience. I just got to focus on all these things. I'll do all these things and everything's going to be fine. Or, you know, whatever. You got a neighbor you got conflicted with, you know, the, they come out and they're whatever, they're mowing the lawn and you're like, oh, I can't stand this guy. Love, joy, peace, patience. <laughs> no. How are we supposed to do this? We consult the Holy Spirit all the time. That's what being spirit-led is about. Consulting the Holy Spirit. That I'm not just trying to figure this thing out on my own. That I'm going to consult the Holy Spirit. So in a conflict, I'm going to consult the Holy Spirit. In a season of waiting, I'm going to consult the Holy Spirit. When I'm winning, I'm going to consult the Holy Spirit. Because how many people know it's easy to walk away from God when everything's going well in your life and all of a sudden it's a mess and you come back to Him, right? It, uh, but it's, it's about what? It's about when you're winning or when you're losing, you're going to consult the Holy Spirit. How do you want me to operate right now, Holy Spirit? When you're buying a house, consult the Holy Spirit. In this market, you better consult the Holy Spirit. Things are wild. If you're thinking about switching jobs, consult the Holy Spirit. Before you go to an event with someone who causes you anxiety, consult the Holy Spirit. Before you're going on a date, ladies, you better be consulting the Holy Spirit, okay? You gotta be consulting the Holy Spirit. When, parents section, my friends, when you're running a birthday party for your five-year-old, consult the Holy Spirit, amen? So what does that look like? What does consulting the Holy Spirit look like? How does this break down? Well, it's it's often about an inner peace, but it's not just about an inner peace. It's about alignment with the word. So it can't just be, oh, I feel, it feels good. It's about, okay, do I have a peace about it? Okay, also, does, does the word of God align with this? But also, what about the trusted counsel in my life? 
What about the people who don't just make the amount of money you want to make or, you know, look the way you want to look? It, how, what's their relationship with the Holy Spirit? What's their relationship with God really look like? They, that's how they allow themselves to prove that they can be trusted counsel. You know, how much are they serving their, their church? How much are, you know, how much are they actually doing what they say they're doing? And that's how you know, okay, they can be trusted counsel in my life. So what's the inner peace that I'm trying to find? And then what's, what's the word of God say? And then what does my trusted counsel say? And that's how we end up getting this love, joy, peace, patience, you know, we, by, by having the Holy Spirit operating. It's not on us to try and make all those things happen all the time. It's on the Holy Spirit in us to guide us and lead us that direction. Oh, I don't have time for this story. That was a good story. Preaching too long. Okay. Um, but the, the pressure, I'll just say this, that this, this sounds like a lot to achieve those fruits. But the pressure is not on us to produce these fruits. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce it in us. It goes back to the first verse that it's about God in us who brings the change. Hey, okay? not about us trying to make it happen all the time. And, and these fruits are how we measure the process of sanctification in our lives. Okay, it's that we can look back and go, wow, I can't believe I acted that way in a good way. Okay, not in a bad way. Um, and, and that's how we know, okay, there is some sanctification taking place. So are, are you seeing these, these things being produced? Galatians, uh, then they, Paul ends the verse like this. He says, now those who belong to Christ, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. I love that. Just keeping in step with the spirit, walking alongside the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Your sin has already been judged through Jesus and your victory comes through Jesus. So stop trying to get victory by what you've done and get it through Jesus because it's when you're getting it by what you've done that that's where the, when you fall short, that's when the shame starts to come in and starts to weigh on us. And shame, shame tells us, well, if people really knew what was going on, if people really knew, you know, they, they, they wouldn't like you people really knew how much you actually read your Bible, all people wouldn't like you at all. Shame says you have to protect certain details of your life or else you'll be rejected. But God says he loves you as you are. Shame tells you you're unlovable. God says he loves you as you are. Shame causes us to hide and not live in freedom. But when it's when we get vulnerable, God's love covers. God's love covers us, right? It covers a multitude of sins. And it actually says that where we are weak, God is strong, okay? So we don't have to be afraid of hiding that weakness, right? We, we reveal it so that we know, okay, we need God to operate in all, all these areas, but where we are weak, we don't have to be afraid of it because God is strong in that. Shame causes us to hide. But let's take shame's power away by embracing God's love for us, by shining light on it. Like, like standing up in that lunchroom and saying, I have a crush on whoever, right? It's taking the power that that person had over us away. I just wanna say to you today, God will never use shame to get what he wants out of you. That's the plan of the enemy. That's a plan that we allow to operate. That's not how God works. So if we can, if we can tie it back to shame, we know it's not God. And Paul says that the letter or living by the law brings death but by the Spirit brings life. So we want to see life happening. Man, life should be fun. Life should be exciting. 
right? We wanna see life happening. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to move in, in our lives. Hey, I, I just, could you just stand for a sec? I just felt that um, on Thursday when our staff was praying, we pray over every seat in the auditorium. We pray over you and your family. And every time you invite someone, I, I promise you this, if you invite somebody to church, if you ever invite somebody to church, our, our lead pastor, Pastor Dennis, has probably prayed for you that week. You didn't know he's praying for you. He didn't know he was praying for you specifically. But when you invite people to church, our, our, our team is praying for you. And, and, uh, but we, we pray on Thursdays together. And uh, I just felt this week, as I was, I was just, actually I was standing right there. I just felt like God said, there is shame operating in marriages and we need to pray and ask God to come and the Holy Spirit to, to come in and operate and, and, and help us get rid of the shame. And so I, I specifically felt, I'm sorry if you're not married, uh, we'll pray over you too, but uh, that there's shame happening in marriages and in parenting. And, uh, and so we're just gonna pray over those two things specifically. Um, and so would you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes and, and hey, maybe if you're with, with your spouse, you don't even maybe realize this is happening or whatever, just grab your spouse's hand. And, and God, God loves marriages. He loves marriages so much that he, uh, that's how he, he modeled um, Jesus's relationship with the church, so that the church would be the bride of Christ. And uh, man, that's an important, important model for us. As, as Jesus, he, he laid down his life for his bride. And husbands, that's our job. As the head, it's, it's not our job to get our way all the time. It's not our job to make sure that we're happy all the time. It's actually our job to be sacrificial and lay down our lives for our children, but for our spouse and for God. And uh, it's our job to make sure that as we lead, we, we're not leading with our opinions all the time and our uh, wants and desires all the time, that we're leading in a way that the Holy Spirit is leading us and we're laying down our lives sacrificially for our spouses. Holy Spirit, thank you for every marriage here. I want to take this time to just say, God, that we repent and we're sorry for uh, being a husband or a father in, in a way that doesn't reflect what you've designed. And we repent for allowing shame into our marriages, allowing shame as a way for us to maybe be controlling at times or we're getting what we want or, or whatever. And God, I just pray that right now we would humbly come before you and we'd lay that at your feet. We, we thank you for this relationship. We thank you for this wife. Thank you for these children. And we, we pray that... Uh, that you would lead us in how we lead our families, Lord God. Thank you for these, thank you for this next generation of young Christians, young followers of Jesus that you've um, trusted us with. God, I pray that 
we would allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in how we parent us. Forgive us, Lord, for using shame to correct behaviors and free us of, uh, free us of our own shame from this. Pray right now that as we're being convicted and maybe corrected this morning, we would not allow any shame to come in. It's not about condemnation. It's about restoration. So I just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would have his way in our homes. Jeez, I, I just feel like there's, uh, there's actually been even uh, kids that are uh, scared of their home just because of um, whatever has been going on. There's some children in our church that are actually scared of, um, scared of their dad. And God, would you just intervene right now? We don't bring that to you. Um, we don't bring that to you to, to cause, any, again, any shame, but we just want your Holy Spirit to have his way that these children would be raised up and they would not walk away from the church, but that they'd actually serve you, Lord God. They would take you um, wherever they're gonna go through, through, through life after this, that talk about workplaces and, and homes. These, these children are gonna, are gonna be the change that we, we've been longing to see in our country, the change that we've been longing to see in our city, the change that we've been longing to see in the generations behind us, that these children will not walk away from you. They'll be in love with you because of the model that we set at home. And it's not a model of perfection. It's a model of Jesus first. It's not a model that we're perfect. We're not trying to set that up, but we're, we're just saying that we're, we're, we're um, being vulnerable enough to say we've messed up and we need to put you at the center of our homes. And so Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you restore? Would you correct us? Would we be vulnerable and open enough to allow you to correct us so that we could lead our families better? And God, I just pray for anyone who's um, just dealing with shame, who's allowed shame to... Um, kind of wreak havoc on their heart and on their mind. Um, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you restore? Would you be with us all? Thank you for your love. Thank you for the, just the people in this church and, and how, God, how, how good you want to be to us. I pray that we'd leave here today knowing that um, we're going to receive your promises. The world promises stuff all the time and we fall for their silly little traps and we wonder why we're unsatisfied. It's because we're believing the promises of the world, not the promises of God. And sometimes those promises might look different and sometimes we want what the world has to offer. I pray that today we'd be convicted of that and we would say, I want God's promises for my life and thank you that there's gonna be a change in my life in the generations after me because of our dedication to you. So God, would you have your way? And I just want to quickly pray for anybody who uh, feels like you need to make the decision. You know that Jesus is not Lord of your life. Maybe you've prayed a prayer before and you've fallen away or you need to pray this prayer for the first time to just say, to, to realize that, um, that Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. He died and God raised him from the dead to pay for your sin. And you want to live for him now. You want to accept that. You want to come into the the new covenant. We're just gonna pray a prayer to do what they say in the Bible. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. I just ask everybody who considers themselves a believer to pray this prayer after me. We're doing this in agreement with you, praying this prayer. Repeat after me, Jesus, 
Thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that you are my Lord, that you died and God raised you from the dead. Thank you that your blood cleanses me. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for what God's done here today? Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.